Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Pushkin. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right, enjoy the episode. Most know Pharrell Williams from his hit song, Happy, or for producing and appearing in the video for Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines, or for the resulting lawsuit brought by Marvin Gaye's estate for copyright infringement or for being a judge on NBC's The Voice, or for his work in fashion with his lines Billionaire Boys Club and Ice Cream, and partnerships with Adidas and Chanel. The point is that Pharrell is one of the rare effortless multi-hyphenates, and he's everywhere. A stat's been thrown around for years that Pharrell, along with his Neptune's producing partner Chad Hugo, was responsible for 43% of music played on US radio by 2003. It's hard to say if that's true or not, but you could have told me it was 50% and I'd have believed you. And Pharrell's not done yet. In the last couple weeks alone, he's launched a number of ventures. A Netflix show, Voices of Fire, where he attempts to assemble the gospel world's best choir. A newly launched skincare line, Human Race, because you can also add flawless skin to his list of unique gifts. And a podcasting company, Other Tone Media. Rick Rubin connected with Pharrell over Zoom this past weekend to talk through and listen to some of the biggest hits of his illustrious career, and also to check in on what music he's working on right now. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. 
Here's Rick Rubin and Pharrell Williams. What are you working on right now? Rihanna, Ty Dolla Sign, the singer-songwriter Chris Cab, Rosalia. Great. Yeah, some Blink-182 coming. Nice. It's been a minute for Rihanna, no? Yeah, it's been a minute. Have you cracked the code of what it's going to be? Oh, yeah. It's really it's really her at the end of the day, what she wants. But I just, you know, I, I just, sound-wise, I was trying to just, like, make something that, like, looks and feels like she does. So when you work with her, does it, will a track start the conversation and then a song will get written? Typically, how would that work? It's really like she talks about what she wants to feel, and then it's my job to reverse engineer that. Mm -hmm. So you try to get the feeling into the music first before there's a song, or is or might there be a song first? No, it's the feeling first. Yeah, when working with her, it's the feeling. It's like we're reverse engineering that feeling and trying to turn that into something. Mm -hmm. And does it typically does it happen relatively quickly, or might it take some time? Uh, you just kind of dive in and go for it go for it so it's that's not that doesn't really take too long to crack mm -hmm. you know because you because you 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 have coordinates you know you you know where you're going you know what you're looking for and you'll know when you're there and as soon as you get the um the feeling right what's the process for that to turn into a song for her we got like the right writers for like the right kind of tone and myself so we kind of like just really wrestle and grapple until we feel like we're like really hitting that specific note. And would it, would it be, might the lyrics come first or would it be more a sense of melody or might it be the hook or is there any order typically or no? No, nah, it's the melody. It's the melody. And then, then we kind of like listen to what the melody is saying it wants to say. Mm-hmm. And might you do like scat versions of the melody and just see if any words fall into place? Sometimes. And then other times, just like if, if some words do come out, then in the places where there are no words, you, you kind of take the, the emotion of what you're trying to communicate and you find the words and you kind of do a mosaic mm -hmm. lyrically. Mm -hmm. Are you in Miami now? Yes, sir. Cool. How long have you lived in Miami? Miami, probably like, you know, for like 15 years with like a four year, four and a half year break. And that's when we were in L.A. Probably one of the toughest times in my life. The time in L.A.? Yeah. Why do you think? Because L.A. is limitless access. You know, it's a lot. And when your whole family is out there, you know, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on. And it's like life by appointment. It's kind of like a different lifestyle you know, than what we were accustomed to growing up. And, you know, you just want your kids to, to understand that life is not like that outside of Los Angeles city limits, you know? Would you say Miami is closer to your experience of growing up? Yeah, it's much more like reality. I think anything outside of Los Angeles, if you're not born there, yeah, you know, it's a very different thing. It's just a different, amazing, but different world. Feels like people go there to work, and they they live on the side, but they're there basically to work. Right. Whereas I guess pretty much anywhere else, you live and you go to work when you go to work, but when you're not going to work, you live. And LA is kind of like the work. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, tell me about growing up in Virginia a little bit. I, I know very little about Virginia. Uh, Virginia is a different. It's a different pace. 
it's like, you know, normal town, the USA. It's humid, which I appreciate. Uh, creatively, it's like, it's in the air. It just was, a. It's, it, it can just be slow at times. It is, you know, one of the first, it's the, you know, one of the first 13 states. So it has a lot of that residual energy there. Virginia is very parallel in my mind, conceptually to America. I love it because of its progression, but I'm in love with it because of its untapped potential. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's a whole lot of, you know, heaviness that come with it. Yeah, but from the heaviness, can that's where the great things can blossom. Well, yeah, that's how we made grinding. Yeah, that's how we made a lot of songs because it was. It's that pressure that's there is there. That pressure's really there. You know, the law really comes down on black people differently. Yeah. It really does, you know. With the the plight of the African American and African diaspora in Virginia is a lot heavier. The gravity on us, you know, two to three times more heavier. Should we listen to grinding and talk about it? Yeah. Cool with that? Let's do it. Yeah, I feel like today'd be really fun to listen to a bunch of records that you made and just see what listening to them brings up. It'd be fun to hear. Okay, cool. Describe the room that you made that record in. Uh, I made, <laughs> it was in Chad's, uh, in Chad's room. He had just bought a house and, uh, you know, found those sounds on the Triton. And while it sounds together now, it just, at the time, it was just like a bunch of like African sounds and it just felt primal. You know, just all the sounds felt primal and the sounds just felt like, it felt like the last laugh of the enslaved spirit. And while it was not the last laugh, it just made us all feel that way. We knew that that was some, something that could only have come from us. Yes. And it connected to us all on a primal level, you know? So while there was hustlers in the street, you know, doing doing illegal things, but trying to survive the best way that they felt like they could, and while we were, as, as kids, we were inspired by that attitude. Again, it may not have been the most healthiest attitude, but we are inspired by it. We are inspired by them grabbing the bull by the horns and sort of just like taking themselves on their own ride. I don't know. We, we were trying to reverse engineer that notion, you know, of just like controlling your own destiny, even if it wasn't even the right, necessarily the right direction. That song was kind of like the soundtrack to that spirit. Did the vocals happen the same day that the track got made? I remember calling Pushta like, yo, you got to come over here. Like, we just made this beat. Like, this is one of the ones. You know, I knew it was alien. Yeah. Because it was African and it was, it, you know, it was African sounds and it wasn't using typical like 808s and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't doing what everything else was doing back then. Yeah. It was just this other thing where you were like, wait, what's going on? And was he inspired as soon as he heard it? Yeah. Him and, him and his brother, yeah. Would you ever, when you finish a track in the studio, bring it to a club and play it in the club, see what it feels like in the club? I never did that. I don't. I didn't know if anyone would care. You know, a lot of times, like where we're from, like they don't want to really hear nothing new in the club until like it's the it's the shit. Yeah. You know, so like us going in there at that time, it's like ah, oh, here he come. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would never do that. When when you played it for your friends, were they uh, positive about it? Yeah, and I knew, like, you know, a lot of them were, like, hustlers at the time. So I knew, like, if it worked for them, then we were doing something right. Did you have any um, musical mentors when you were in 
Virginia? I mean, only Teddy at the time. Tell me about that. You know, I, he was a mentor to us while we were there working, you know, in his studio. But other than that, you know, once we kind of like went out on our own, we kind of didn't have anybody else to uh, bounce things off of in Virginia because it wasn't like a big music scene there at the time. Yeah. And how established was Teddy at that point in time when you were just starting? Teddy was, you know, he, he was the king. I mean, he had just done like um, Dangerous, you know, remember the time. I mean, Teddy was in, in my mind, you know, in a lot of people's minds, still is the king. Yeah. Teddy's amazing. What was it like, you know, being a kid and being in the room and watching what he was doing? Did you feel like he's great or did you feel like, oh, I think I can do this? I was just in awe and I couldn't believe my life. I couldn't believe I got to be in a room where I got to learn the codes to how you make music. Because other than that, when you're a kid, you just think, oh, okay, people are in the studio. Yeah. But you don't know what that means. Yeah. You know, to you, it's just like a song. It's like all your life you've been eating like loaves of bread. You've never, ever, ever considered, you know, the amount of flour, how, you know, what the temperature is and to cook it and, you know, what it takes to package it and, you know, it's shelf life and what it's going to look like on the truck. And like, you don't consider those integral details that all must work in concert to deliver a consistent experience for you every time you interact with it. So being there with him was kind of like being in the kitchen. Yeah. Had Teddy not been in Virginia? I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you. You know, it's all cause and effect. And Teddy is absolutely the initial, uh, he's, he's one of the causes to this effect. Yeah. Tell me about the formation of the Neptunes. I met Chad when I was uh, in beginning band. I was like 13 and he played saxophone. I played drums and uh, I moved away from that area. And then we met up again at this uh, school called Old Donation, this uh, Center for the Gifted and Talented. And I went there for jazz in the summer. And he ended up there and he was like a phenomenal player by that time. And I was like a decent drummer. You know, I could play anything, any beat on a drum set. But Chad was like prolific with piano and he was an amazing sax player. And he just picked up anything and he just always wanted to learn. And so like, you know, we were talking, he was like, yeah, you know, I got like keyboards at my house, like you should come by sometime or whatever. So eventually like my mom would bring me over there and sometimes I could catch rides over there or whatever. And we would just like for two, three hours, we would just like make beats on his like Casio keyboards. You know, then like one of our homeboys that I went to school with, this kid, Mike, he could sing. And Shay was like, you know, Shay's one of our best friends. So Shay, Mike, and myself, we would go over to Chad's house and then we would just like make demos. And we weren't really, we didn't even know they were demos until like, you know, a year or two into it, we realized, oh, we're making a demo. And then like, you know, we had a series of like short-lived management arrangements. And then eventually we got to Teddy. And when we got to Teddy, he discovered us in a high school talent show through, uh, you know, this guy, Omar Chandler, and then also Tammy Lucas, who was the one that said to Teddy, you need to pay attention to these guys. And so he asked me to come to the studio. And when he did, he gave me a shot to 
uh, to write on something that ended up being Rump Shaker. So I wrote his verse for it. And at the time, we as a group, we were called the Neptunes. And then we had like one record deal. We were signed to Michael Jackson's label, MJJ. So the Neptunes started as a performance group, as an as a artist, not as a producing group. Yeah, we were, st- we were just artists, but we could also like make beats and shit. Yeah. And so like, because he had us produce a song called Tonight's Tonight on um, the first Blackstreet album. And then we eventually did uh, Use Your Heart and Win This Feeling for SWV. And then we did When Boy Meets Girl for, T- for Total. And so we just started producing all these songs. And then eventually, because we kept trying to get a record deal the entire time while we were producing songs. But like, I was so fucking crazy and like out of my mind with like my style and the way that I dress. The record company was like, who are you? You're weird. Get the fuck out of here. Um, you guys just stick to making music. And I was like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> so then we, uh, you know, my my manager introduced us to Khalees. We met Khalees and we started like producing for her, did an album for her over at Virgin. And then Virgin was like, man, you guys should also make an album too. And we were like, all right. At that time, I was like, I don't think that we should be, we should use the same name we use, which was originally our group name that had now become our production name which was me and Chad, we should just be N-A-R-D. So the Neptunes in the very beginning was us as a group. And then we just continued to produce. Did you ever play live as the Neptunes? Uh, Yeah, it was a disaster. (laughs) Was it a fond memory disaster? No. (laughs) It was a a disaster. I don't like myself anyways. When I look back at myself 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, I'm such a fucking doof. Like, why did I do that? Why am I saying that? Why am I just like that? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is, I'm just one of those types of Aries, you know? I'm, I'm never really pleased with what I've done 10 years ago and completely don't even want to think about what I, where I was at 20 years ago. So there you have it. So if you were to go back in time, would you make the music that you made then different than you made it then? No because I understand that that is the reason where I am now. I am ever so grateful that people give me the opportunity to be as left of center as I am at times and, you know, just take those shots at the time. Because, you know, as Aries, we're impulsive. But then when you're impulsive, you got to be able to live with those, you know, those impulses. And sometimes I can and other times I can't, but that's okay because that's why I constantly like to move forward. In in the cases in those days when Neptunes was a production group pre-NERD, would you just make tracks and then find homes for them? Or would it be more of a case of an artist wants to make a record and then you're making something targeted in mind with that artist in mind? Both. So there might be songs that would have been Neptune songs that might have been, had you signed a deal, they would have been on your record, but then they ended up being on someone else's record because you didn't have a record deal. Yeah, sure. And there are times, you know, it's still up to this day, I'll do something for someone and they're like, eh, it doesn't make sense for me. And then, you know, someone else hears it and goes, man, that's for me. And I go, okay, cool. And then there's also times where like that song will come out and the original artist will be like, man, why didn't you make me something like that? And it's like, mm, and I did. Yeah. And that's because sometimes people are not hearing what you're hearing. Absolutely. It's like when you watch 
somebody like making something and you don't know what they're doing or where they're going and you just like don't get it and then all of a sudden they do one thing and it just go oh you go aha i get it now mm-hmm. music same way what would be a, a song if you were to pick a song from that pre nerd era for us to listen to what would be one that you that would feel good to listen to i don't remember not one single song really i don't I, I man, I don't. A lot of the times, I don't remember my songs. I understand. I'm such a where where are we going now kind of person. Yeah, I really don't going into the past. I'm I'm really not so good at that. So my way of curating, you know, like that's why I'm like like a, not a good DJ. Like I've I've never DJed in my life. Like really, like like really. Yeah. Now, if you ask me a bunch of songs that I think make me feel amazing, I'll rattle off a bunch of them. But Q-Tip is amazing. He's an amazing DJ because he can do all of the above. Whereas, like, I am literally, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's a particular skill set. I feel like also Questlove, like when he, I just love listening to music. When he programs, it blows my mind. That guy, forget it. Quest is amazing. We'll be right back with more from Pharrell and Rick after the break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. 
starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. We're back with more of Rick's conversation with Pharrell. Tell me about uh, your experience with Daft Punk. Man, uh, they really are. I mean, like they're amazing people, you know, and they really just love music um, in a different kind of way. And it's interesting that we know them as robots because they have a lot of feeling, but their level of execution is very algorithmic. Like I would compare them to like AI. Wow. Cool. Let's listen. Let's listen to Get Lucky. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me what you remember about the making of that. Man, we were obviously in France. I remember being um, super jet lagged. So Guiman had this stuff called Garansan. And it's like what you take when you're like jet lagged. It's like you put it in water. It's kind of like Alka-Seltzer. Is it a herb or is it a, a pharmaceutical? No, it's like a over-the-counter. It's just like in France. Kind of like five hours or something like that. He was like, here, this you'll be fine. He put that shit in the water. I drank it and I was like, <laughs> like the legend of the phoenix. <laughs> and what the fuck was I talking about, man? Like the legend of the phoenix all ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning, the force from the beginning. It's pretty great. I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> um, it was a great session, man. We did that and we did Lose Yourself to Dance. We did both of those songs. Amazing. I thought I was writing it for somebody else. I could have swore that was a conversation. The, the, you know, those guys, you know, you finish the session and it's over and, you know, you don't speak to them again for like, might have been like six months that we heard from them. But I didn't hear it until like a year. I think I heard from them like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, we're going to keep you on a song. I was like, keep me on a song? Like, I thought it was for someone else. And then uh, I didn't hear it until it was mixed. And I was I was blown away. Yeah, I really was. That's nice. That must be a nice experience because usually you're so hands on with the things you make. So to have someone else make it and have it be that good, it's got to be a great feeling. I was incredibly honored. You know, those guys are the best at what they do. Beautiful. That, that said, as good as the track is, the vocal melodies, the words, the catchiness of the hook, I don't know that, that, that we would know that track if it was not for, the, for what the vocal's doing. So excellent work. Thank you. Tell me about uh, your experience with Beck. Beck is another prolific genius. And his fans know, but more people should know how genius that man is. That's a genius guy. Absolutely. Seriously. That guy's a treasure. Yeah. I mean, the way that he writes, the way that he thinks, the shit that he wants to do. You know, people say genre bending. Beck is just like... He literally just considers music to be music and you just cannot. I mean, the guy did New Pollution. That's it. That's nothing else else to talk about. The guy did New Pollution. Have you heard New Pollution? 
Have you fucking heard New Pollution? It's incredible. What the fuck? And his folk songs are incredible. You know, his little acoustic folk songs are brilliant. He is a genius, period. We were, This last album, Hyperspace, we worked on that album for seven years. Seven years. Did it, did it evolve over the seven years or was it clear what it was going to be from the beginning and it just took seven years to get there? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know how he works, man. I don't know. I know I spent like, there's like four years. I'm like, what are we doing? We got four songs. Put it on the record. What are we doing? Yeah. He's like, no, not yet. We get together again. And then like, I don't know what comes of that. Then we get together again and get a couple songs. And then we get together again. And after that, this is like seven years. And then you just hear the whole masterpiece. And I'm just looking at this guy going, wow. And he got some of my best shit from me at that time. So he just was like cherry picking. It's like, you know, okay, Pharrell, just, you know, come over, let's work. I'm going to sift through your, you know, your contemporary vineyard of inspiration. I'll take these grapes. I'll take those grapes. And see you later, Pharrell. I'll catch you. No, don't worry. I don't worry. You know, a couple years later, it's like wine. This motherfucker is like a sommelier or some shit. It's like, okay, it's going to rain. Frel, come by, bring the vineyards. Okay, okay, the, I, these are choice grapes. This will be nice for a white wine. Nope, you know what? These are better for a cabernet. And then you look up and shit, and then like you guys are nominated for a fucking Grammy seven years later. I mean, yeah. cheers to that genius. Yeah. I remember I got a copy of Morning Phase early before it came out. And, and I remember being told, you know, this is kind of an, this is not his next, the album after this is the big album. This isn't the big, this is just like something he's working on. Like, this is like a personal thing. And I listened to it and it was the, the best album maybe that I'd heard in, I don't know, five years. It's like, and I, I called him up right away. It's like, this is not an in-between album. This is not a small album. This is masterful. <laughs> he's that, bro. Let's listen to Love is Chemical, just for fun. Oh, wow. Whew. Incredible. It's a good sign. Of everything we've listened to, that made you smile the most. It's a really good sign. Because you know what? There's like no, there's nothing on it except just pure, like, that guy's just free, man. Yeah. You know, and I want everybody to be like that. You can feel it. You can feel it. So tell me, what was it that he, what was it that you gave him to start from that ended up there? Music. Yeah, the music and like melodies and some songs I wrote lyrics on as well, along with melodies. He just knows, you know, I would just play him shit and he just would know like, okay, yeah, let's go there. Yeah. You know, that's like a dream. It's just so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. I'm honored. I really am, man. You know the crazy thing? I'm talking to Rick Rubin right now. I remember Rock the Bells. I told you this before, but I remember Rock the Bells as a child. You know, when people were saying, like, who's cooler, like LL or, or Kumo D? And you had done a lot of LL and all the stuff on Def Jam. I remember seeing your name on those, on those like, cassettes. And I'm, like, actually talking to you right now. And you're, like, actually fucking curious about anything that has to do with me and um chad hugo and i just gotta say like you know 
life is crazy, right? Because, you know, things can be so great. And at the same time, we're always reminded that just next door, it can be the, it can be misfortune next door. And that's been one of the hardest things for me because every time I slip and allow myself to get too happy, I'm reminded that on the other side of fortune is misfortune. Absolutely. I just, you know, this is like a pinch yourself moment. But just like, you know, listening to that song and feeling that way about that music and then going, shit, I'm up here talking to Rick Rubin about music and he actually cares about what I think. Like, I'm not, I'm not Kanye. I'm not Stevie Wonder or, you know, Joni Mitchell or, you know, Michael. I'm not any of those like really super legendary people. I'm, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. All the people you mentioned are just people who are from where they're from, who love music and shared the best of themselves with us and enriched our lives and inspired us to want to do the same thing. It's, it's very much of a community of like-minded people who are all contributing something. We get something from it. It turns us on. It excites us. And then we find our way in. And, you know, if we're lucky, we get to participate. But it, it's, it's all beyond us. It's beyond, it's beyond you. It's beyond me. It's beyond all the people you mentioned. What's coming through is much bigger. Uh, we're just blessed that we get to participate. And it, and it comes from love. You know, that's where it is. It's like the love is the connection that allows it to come through. 100%. Still honored to be a part of, um, you know, honored to be a comma in, in one tiny sentence in the, in the great book of music. Same. On that note, let's listen to Drop It Like It's Hot. Yes, sir. You remember the first time you heard him sing the hook that way? Yeah. We were in the studio and he was in there. Now, you know, Snoop is tall. Snoop is like six feet foot like I don't know four three four something like that he was in the studio with no less than 15 dudes that were all as tall as him and then he had these two security guys that were absolutely north of seven foot wow you know they were smoking have you ever been like in like New York like when the fog is there and you're like in a skyscraper and you literally can see like where the fog starts. Yes. That's what it was like being in a room with all those dudes. Just a layer of smoke in the sky. It was a layer of smoke that you just would never believe. It was unbelievable. If you stood up, you were going to be high for a week <laughs> contact wise. And I was making the beat. Um, I did my verse. He was like, P, he said, we got one. We knew it was we knew it was special. I, I loved Let's Get Blown. Um, Let's Get Blown was just like such a zone to me. Like it was just so like, what is that? You know, we were so inspired by Steve Arrington. And uh, the label was like, we're going to put that out. But not now. You tripping. We're going to come with Drop It Like a Side. And I was like, all right, cool. And that the same thing happened with Beautiful, right? We made From the Church to the Palace. And I was like, oh, man, I love Church to the Palace. They were like, yeah, that's cool. But this record, Beautiful? And I was like, yeah, but I'm on there sounding like a sick billy goat. And they were like, because I, I, by the way, still to this day, I think the cook to Beautiful is detuned. I think when I, 
or out of tune. Yeah. I think I'm out of tune. I think I'm pitchy. I think I'm flat. But I don't know why people fuck with it. Let's listen. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to that. Beautiful. Yeah, what's cool about hip hop is that if you are singing a little out of tune, it's hip hop. AKA I was. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like sometimes when I hear it, Tuny vocals in hip hop, it feels more like hip hop music than, you know, like a slick hook on a rap track. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's just, it just gives it more like a little bit more personality and just feels a little bit more like real and authentic to whatever the person was trying to express. It's like you appreciate that person being a little flat because they mean it. Yeah, it feels like it's a moment in time, you know, that you believe that it's really happening. Yeah, I meant it. But I never thought that record would do what it did. Typically, when you're when you're making something new, you go into the studio, you have an idea to start something new. Might you be influenced by something that you heard recently? Might you be influenced by something that you can remember from childhood? Or is it more of a clean slate? I love that which doesn't exist. That's like my favorite. And then there are times where you just like, you go, oh man, I love the feeling of that. I don't want that sound, yeah. but I love the feeling. You know what I'm saying? Let me, let me, how do I reverse engineer that feeling? And then there are moments where you go, man, I love that. I love that like groove, but what if it was in a, it's like, I love that groove, AKA silhouette, but what if it was like with all complete different chords of colors? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it just depends. Sometimes it's just left to center, like drop it like it's hot. And then other times it's like, man, I love the feeling that I felt when I when I heard busting loose as a kid. You know, so then we try to reverse engineer that energy and 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 then we make cotton here. It's like if you play them back to back, you realize it's like really completely different. But the feeling, you know, so it's almost like you hear a song and you imagine if that song was a whole genre of music, what would the other songs in that genre sound like? That's exactly right. The brother of it, the cousin of it. You yeah. know, it's like Mario and Wario. You know, there's Mario and then there's this evil, you know, there's the evil version of Mario, which is Wario. And that's what I like to do. I find sometimes that's a great starting point. And sometimes during the process of looking for the thing like it, you end up going somewhere completely different that was unexpected and you just get surprised, you know? Yeah, you just have to keep chasing. We'll be right back with Pharrell after this quick break. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Here's the rest of Rick's conversation with Pharrell Williams. Can you remember the last thing that you heard where, that you didn't make, that you just heard and your mind was blown? Like, just like, this is unbelievable. Uh, Thundercat, them changes. And it just hit you right away first time. It's just like, oh. Scott Venner played me that song, and I said, what in the fuck? And we played it. He played it. I played it. I made him play that shit over and over again, like maybe 20 times. I could not believe what I was feeling. Such a great feeling, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I was like, what is this? Kim Burrell's, uh, you know, Holy Ghost. That's really unbelievable. I mean, she's just unbelievable. Don Tolliver's No Idea. Wow. What the hell? And then when I was a kid, there was like a, just a thousand of them that would just would blow my brains out, like blow my heart out, blow my organs out, blow my existence out of my body. Like the systems don't disturb this groove. Or uh, Beach Boys Sail on Sailor. Or... Bonita Applebaum by Tribe Called Quest or Minnie Ripperton's The Reasons or Donny Hathaway's Take a Love Song, um, Lady in My Life, Michael Jackson, Joni Mitchell, uh, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got to list on uh, when she also sings 
uh, help me. Johnny Mitchell, help me. When you would hear one of those records, how often would you listen to it? Over and over and over and over and over and over again. I listened to Bonita Applebaum. I would have it on a loop for like an hour straight when I was I was really young. I would listen to that song over and over again because I could not understand why it made me feel that way. And then I realized that those were the chords. And I realized that, you know, while that song was from Roy Ayers' um, music production, a song called Daylight, the whole song was that. I loved it because it was doing what bridges typically, typically did, progression, chord progression-wise. So if you listen to the Roy Ayers song that inspired it or that it was based on, would that have the same effect on you or not necessarily? It did. It did because the chords were the same. But I, of course, I love the tribe version, you know, mm-hmm. you to pick the best pocket in an, um, footprints. Another one. Can you just play that song real quick? Sure. Tribe called Quill, footprints. Really fun listening to that with you. And I just learned something about hip hop just now, just listening to that in the, in the days of hip hop being based on a sample like this is the samples picked. And then additional tracks are put in to reinforce the sound. And then sometimes the sample goes away. And then we're only left with the new stuff. And sometimes, so the sample works in different ways. But it's almost like we learn more about the original song through this hip-hop record. Because it's like we've taken this piece of music and put it in an x-ray machine. And we get to see the different layers of it and the DNA of it. And we examine it in a way that doesn't get to happen when we just listen to the original, um, in, in its original holistic version, there's a unity and balance that gets upset in the hip hop process to create something new. And we get to learn so much through this process. It's, it, it's amazing. I never really realized it before just now listening with you. That is called Tribe Called Quest. That's what, that's, what they, that's what they do. They make you listen to music and they teach you how to hear music. They teach you how to appreciate something that you might have just skipped over because it was only four bars or two bars and something and you never got to hear it again. Or it just came like two or three times in the song, but that wasn't where the hook was. And so you ignored it. They go, no, 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 no. This part right here. And like you said, you walk away going, well, what is that sample? And then you go back and listen to that record. It's like you listen to it and you appreciate it very differently. And then you go, wow, they heard that part. And I'll never forget when I like when I because I got the album because of the Benita Applebaum. I was like, man, I don't give a shit if the rest of the album is trash. That's all I want to hear. Man, when I got that album and listened from the top, first song's good, second song's good, third song's good. And then that song came on and I was, and I'm telling you, the other songs are good. Yeah. You know, the luck of Lucien, like push it along. All those songs are great. When footprints came in, I remember thinking to myself, first of all, those chords are nocturnal. I don't see sunshine when I hear that. So that was the first thing that blew my mind. I was like, Oh shit. I'm listening to this song and they have looped up something that makes me think of nighttime. Some certain songs, the chords make me think of, you know, four or five in the morning, right when the sun is coming up. 
and it's kind of blue outside, but it's not quite sunny yet. And it's coming out of night. It's coming out of nighttime. It's like that, you know, 4.50 to 6 o'clock time. And then there's the same thing that happens in the evening. When I heard footprints, it felt like 11 o'clock at night, full moon, Concord blue. There's some purple in there and like the beigeness of the moon. That's what I, that's what I heard. And I heard that on loop and that was like alchemy to me. And I just was like, what the fuck is this? Like, okay, my friends are obsessed with like sports and football players and like basketball players and Jordan is amazing and we love his sneakers. This track though is made me think of nighttime and every time this sample comes in, which I didn't know was called a sample at the time, but every time that loop came in, I was like, it makes me think of nighttime. What the fuck is this? Like what's going on? And then when I heard Bonita Apple Bum, that was like daytime to me and it was kind of blue with like pinks in it. And I'd start like, wow, okay, this is crazy. This music, this is like rap music that's making me think of colors the way that like Stevie Wonder music make me, makes me think of colors. I had never experienced that before. Would you listen in your room or would you listen outside walking around? Where, where paint the picture of what the scene looked like? Sometimes I would like listen to my, listen in my room and other times I would go and sit in my parents' car when it was raining and listen, but with my headphones. Cause I like being in the rain. That's the other thing too. Rain is like everything for me. I was always obsessed with rain as a kid. That's how we ended up being called the Neptunes water. What was the first time you got to see music live? I was like five years old. I don't remember this, but it was a story. We went to King's Dominion, which is like this uh, theme park. And we, um, I, I guess they lost me somehow and they found me. I was over dancing to Kenny Rogers. Good singer. Pretty crazy. What's the first one you remember? Oh, uh, Eric B. and Rakim at the Hampton Coliseum. And how was that? Amazing. Rakim was everything. I mean, lyrically, that guy, the stuff that he would say and where he was coming from and his tone and his rhythm. And that was all crazy for me. Anything else uh, you feel like would be helpful for us to talk about? I don't know. I I think I'm in a state of like gratitude at the moment. Beautiful. You know, and that's a constant exercise. It's a constant exercise. The, The best exercises one could do, mind, body and soul. Because right, there's a lot of physical exercises that you can do, but they're not necessarily, they require the mental, but they may not be as spiritual. But these are three spiritual exercises, three mental and physical exercises, which is gratitude, empathy, and humility. And, you know, talking to you right now, and just when you ask me to go back, um, when you ask me about these songs or music or whatever, what it does is it transports you back in time. And you remember who you were and what was going on and what was your reality. And so it's just humbling when you fast forward back to where you are now. It's like, oh, shit, man, so much has happened. And I'm just I guess I'm just ever so grateful. You know, God was so patient with me. I wasn't on it like I needed to be. How much of you now is the same kid listening to Tribe on the headphones? I mean, you just saw it. I mean, Footprints just took me right back, you know. (laughs) to being 15, 16, or whatever the fuck I was, whatever age I was at that time. Yeah, music has that incredible transformative power to change everything. I can remember when I was a kid and 
really didn't feel connected to anything. The first time I really felt connected to anything was music. It's so magical. It's so crazy, man. We're living in a different time where like these ethereal connections that we have to various points in our lives and various points of our personality feel more effervescent than they ever have before. I don't know if that's because the internet is alive now or because we just are where we are culturally. You know, we're in the age of Aquarius, so everything is up in the air. So I just, it's crazy because I can feel it. Yeah, I think we were lucky to grow up when we did. I agree. I want to ask you about one one more thing because it, it, it speaks something you said earlier about about um, listening to the Tribe album and how it made you feel. And it feels like the relationship, people's relationship to music has changed. And the album as a format seems less, I want to say less relevant than, than it used to. And um, if you could speak a bit to the, the feeling of the album as a thing, the idea of the container of the album when we were younger was a, a key feature of it. And like you said, you, you bought the album for one song, hoping the rest of it would be good, but if the rest of it wasn't good, that might happen. And you remember the ones where there was one song that got you to buy it, but the whole album was good. That changed your life. Yeah. I don't know that people have that experience as much today. Well, because there's more of a democracy and you're not forced to buy a whole bunch of things that you don't know anything about. You can like try things, you know? Do you think there's something being missed though by not getting to get that experience of, you know, Dark Side of the Moon as a as a body of work? Well, that was Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon, right? If every album was that, I think the argument would stand. But because every album is not, and because the point of entry is so wide for so many people to come in and make music, which is a beautiful thing, is that you got a lot of one-hit wonders. And you can, sometimes you got two-hit wonders, three-hit wonders, or one album. But like, it's not like it used to be because the point of entry is so wide. So I don't know that, you know, unless you're getting 2000 Pink Floyds, then it probably is good at it this way that people get a chance to just taste test until they feel like they figured out who, who makes a great meal and then versus who makes a good side dish. I still find myself, if I hear something I haven't heard before, whether it be new or old, I usually want to go deeper and listen to everything the artist was doing in that period and try to get a sense of beyond the song, who they are, where they are, where it came, where it comes from. That's not a bad thing. You should continue to do that. But it doesn't always deliver. And that's because there's so much. Yeah, it's endless. It can't all be good. It definitely all can't be great. Absolutely. On the other side, they can't all be bad, right? But it, it, but one thing that it is, is all. And because you're dealing with all, you're going to want to taste test. Absolutely. And I do love the ability to anything I think of, be able to call it up and listen to it on demand versus, you know, having to wait for it. It's really nice being able to find all music all the time. It's a great way to listen. So it's like a dream growing up in a place the way we did to now get to this place where it's literally all music on demand at all times. It's, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's beautiful to see and experience. Cool, man. I love you. Blessings, my brother.
Be blessed, and most importantly, be a blessing. Thanks to Pharrell for taking time out of his studio work to chat and reminisce with Rick. You can hear all of Pharrell's favorite songs that he mentioned on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Plus a list of some of his favorite hits that he sent Rick just before the interview. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast. There you can find extended cuts of new and old episodes. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and is executive produced by Mia LaBelle. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. And if you like our show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music is by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Peace. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.